Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel. Thanks as always for listening. Um, we've got some great episodes coming up in the coming months. Um, I hope you'll really enjoy them. I'll be honest with you, some of these I was not looking forward to, and they turned out to be great. Um, it's always fun to have these conversations about the business and process of writing, uh, how people figure out how to tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoyed having these uh, upcoming conversations, and I hope you enjoy listening to them. Um, it's spring. Things are okay. I keep hearing people want to get back to normal, but I don't think there's any going back to normal. Um, and that goes for both the business and the world. Uh, you know, the business is still figuring itself out. And now it's not so much about the pandemic, which is nice, um, but about these huge streamers figuring out what they want and what works and what people are watching. Um, and I think the answer is the same as it's always been. Yes, I have the answer. I think someone should just ask me. But the answer is the same as it's always been. And that is people want to watch something that speaks to them. And that's not something you can manufacture. And I think the one thing that the huge hits of the past few years, whether it's Bridgerton or Ted Lasso or Squid Game, um, is that they are wholly the vision of a writer. Um, not that like I, I do not ascribe to a tour theory, um, but I think that you have to have a strong vision at the head of your production, right? That's the showrunner's job. That's the show creator's job. Everyone else is there to help that person see their vision on the screen. Um, and I think that's what those shows do. And I think that's what people respond to. Um, even, I mean, this is even true of reality TV. You know, like you look at the success of Survivor and yes, at first it was, the novelty of it, but that was 20 years ago. But that is Jeff Probst's show. Um, it is the show that he wants to make, and we all get to enjoy that vision, right? It's just it's just happenstance that we all respond to it, and that he's a talented guy. And, you know, as are the creators of these other great shows, Russian Doll and Better Call Saul. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. And I think the key is to, is for these streamers and these networks to let people or help people make the show that they want to make right it's to trust the creators and i think we had a really great run of that for a while that i think we took for granted um i think the heyday of the celebrity showrunner has passed uh maybe sadly for this this podcast um but if but the creators are out there and I think if the buyers can trust the creator's vision and, you know, not make us prove ourselves doing a ton of work beforehand, they're going to see something. Like whether whether they respond to a pitch or a script or something, but like development shouldn't take years and years because the, you're, creating, you're, you're making a show for a target that doesn't exist. People are going to come to you. I don't know. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about. It's something I've been um, 
I really believe in, uh, especially these past few years, that like you, you just got to write the thing that you love. You got to write the thing that you want to see. Um, and that's what I've been doing, and I hope that's what you've been doing. And for sure, that is what the folks I've been talking to have been doing. Um, so hopefully you find inspiration in these conversations as I have. And hopefully you get out there and write your stuff too. Do it. Find me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. Please continue to leave reviews for this podcast on iTunes and elsewhere. It's really helpful to us so we can keep it going. Um, we'll have lots more stuff to talk about in the future, but find me on Twitter again. And, and like, let's talk about the business and let's talk about TV and tell me what you're enjoying and tell me who you want to hear on this program. I always love to know what you're watching. Thanks for listening. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! I'm chatting with Robert Eggers, whose new film, The Northman, is out now. Go see it. In fact, stop this. Go see it. Come back, because we're going to get into it. Um, you also know Robert as the writer, director, uh, and co-writer of the lighthouse and the witch um thanks for being here thanks for chatting my pleasure um let's start with the northman um let's let's get into let, let's ease into this uh tell me how this came to be how did this become become the project for you to do next and how do you even get something like this which is like ambitious and dark and, you know, all the things we both expect from you and don't expect from you. Uh, how do you get this off the ground? So <clears throat> I never was really interested in, in Vikings at all. Um, I didn't, I wasn't into the macho stereotype, which is true. The, I mean, like the stereotype is true. I, mean, I can't believe I ended up making such a macho movie, but, but <laughs> growing up, the you know, I just wasn't interested in Vikings. And then as, as an adult, the, right-wing Nazi misappropriation of Viking culture sort of cemented my disinterest. But when I took a trip to Iceland, uh, the like epic, ancient, brutal landscapes were incredibly inspiring. And, uh, and I, so I picked up some Icelandic sagas and started to get into Vikings a bit and thought maybe I could make a Viking movie and it would have to end with a naked sword fight on a volcano. Uh, and a couple let, years later, let, let me, I had, let me stop you for a sec. Uh, cause I want to dig in on some of this stuff. And as you're looking at these stories, how does a story start to take shape? Like you're pulling from mythology, you're pushing, pulling from, um, you know, legends, but how does a, you know, two hour story start to take shape for you? Well, but it was really, it was really incredibly nascent at that point. It really was. Mm -hmm. I had this idea of this volcano sword fight naked and, <laughs> and, and obviously just because, because the cycle of revenge is such a big deal in these sagas, I knew it would be a revenge story. And I knew that I wanted to shoot it in Iceland. So that's really kind of it, you know, and I just, and I didn't explore it carefully, but then mm -hmm. A couple of years later, I had lunch with Alexander Skarsgård, 
and who had been interested in Vikings since he was a kid. And it was explaining to me that he was been trying, he'd been trying to make a Viking movie for 10 years. Uh, and so we left that lunch shaking hands saying, you know what, like, let's try to make a Viking movie together. So then like I started to dig into the research and really quickly I discovered that Shakespeare based Hamlet off of uh, a Norse folktale um, mm -hmm. and, and about a guy named Amleth. And that was, that was sort of the way in uh, because I realized that uh, because everyone knows Hamlet and everyone knows the Lion King that I have a, like a, a very, very simple narrative that I can use to make uh, a big mythic film and like, and then share with an audience the things that I like about Viking mythology and ritual culture and religious culture in a way that you can't normally do uh, on a, a film this size. And then um, I wanted an, an Icelandic co-writer because uh, even the most Viking allergic Icelander knows exactly what Viking saga characters they're literally directly related to. <laughs> and many contemporary Icelanders still believe in land spirits and fairies. So I needed someone uh, with that background and that uh, understanding. And Shion, like had that in spades. I mean, he, Sean's a brilliant writer anyway. I mean, you know, like for, I, I'm working on something with him right now that has nothing to do with Icelander Vikings. So, he, so he's also just a brilliant writer. But, um, but uh, so, so, we, so we set out uh, a writing. Now, fast forward to the lighthouse is about to go to Cannes and, uh, and Sean and I have finished a script that's not bad. And uh, Alex Skarsgård, who's a producer on the movie, is happy with it. Lars Knudsen, who's a producer on the movie, is happy with it. I mean, you know, we knew it wasn't a shooting script, but we knew it was like good enough to share. So then when The Lighthouse was doing really well, we thought this is the time to give this script. And so I'm saying, you know, uh, I, I've got I, a Viking movie. I've got a big entertaining movie. I, this is me trying to make the most entertaining <laughs> mainstream movie I can possibly make. And then luckily, very luckily, uh, because of the history channels, Vikings, which had inspired other TV shows and video games. And then with the, the Marvel <clears throat> Thor nonsense, there, there happened to be like a hunger for Viking content. So lo and behold, uh, a, a large scale, uh, non-IP, non-comic book movie gets financed. This makes sense. Does this? I'm so curious about this idea of the most commercial sort of uh, wide-scale movie that you could make. Does this feel to you different uh, to The Lighthouse or The Witch in that way? Yeah. I mean, like, it. it, uh, it is. I mean, yeah. it's funny like even a lot of the good reviews uh, talk about the idea that it, it's not as like, you know, psychologically light or narratively complex as like the witch or the lighthouse. And it's like, hmm. yeah, I know. <laughs> like, obviously man, because I'm, because I, because I'm trying to tell a story for uh, a broad audience, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm telling like a deliberately simple mythic tale. 
Like that's that's the point. That's the point of this. Is 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 is, is, is it's something uh, you know for everyone. That said, like you know, um, you know it, it. Well, okay. What's what's great about it for me is that I I is that because it's based on these sagas, they are uh, digestible stories. Like if you read like Crutchy and De Troyes and like Athurian legend, like that shit's weird, you know. Like I don't I don't think I would have interpreted it the same way as as Lowry, but there's a reason why like The Green Knight is a weird fucking movie because that sh- source material is weird, and uh and and the like the the Viking sagas like they're they're they read like eighties action movies, you know, like mm-hmm. they they really do at times literally read like 80s action movies. It's kind of surprising. Um, and so, so, so knowing that that's my source material, I'm not like betraying the, the, the vision of the story by making something for a broad audience. But, but also mm-hmm. what, something that really got me excited about the sagas of the Icelanders is that, you know, is the modernity of the characters. Like obviously their, their worldview and culture and morals are like completely not modern at all. But it's like uh, the hero of the saga, who the saga is named after, can be an antihero, a criminal, an outlaw, a psychopath, you know, um, and and be the hero. And the villain of the piece could be uh, a good husband, a good father, a coward, you know. I mean, and that's cool because we, you know, that's something you also don't tend to get to see in this kind of movie, you know, Commodus. Yeah in gladiator is like a stone cold bastard. And so is the, the, the King of England and Braveheart, you know, uh, we don't, we're not doing that here and that's fun. I think, you know, you mentioned the worldview of these characters and I think that's, this is something that you really excel at in all three of your features, which is to prevent, present the worldview of very specific people in very specific places under very specific circumstances. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about writing that stuff. How do you come to inhabit that and not look at those worldviews as different, but present them in a way to us that makes it makes us understand what the world looks like to them? Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, it takes, it just takes a lot of research, you know, I mean, it's exciting to, I mean, I think you, everything you said was very, very articulate. So I don't know that I'm really answering your question more than like uh, rephrasing your question (laughs) again, (laughs) but but, but, let let me rephrase the question then. It's it's kind of okay. a process question. It's kind of a process question, right? Like, what what does your writing process look like? Because that's clearly how you're finding your way into these worlds uh, is through research. So, when does the research end? When does the writing begin? Is there not a clear demarcation? What does it all look like for you? Well, yeah, I, I start researching and like taking notes, and uh, you know, and I I think. I, I think I usually only need about a month before I can maybe even less sometimes, but, but about a month and then I can start writing and it's nice to start writing before you know everything. Cause it gives you a little bit of freedom, but then you have to relinquish that freedom and like kill the things that you've written that aren't historically accurate. If you're me, you know, that's <laughs> right. my approach. That's all right. 
and that's not necessarily the best approach, but that's what, what, what I, what I do. And you, we just would I'm never done. I'm never done with the, with the research. I mean, we, you know, cause, cause, because especially with this movie, because like there was much more work in post-production uh, compared to my other films, I, like I still occasionally had to consult uh, the Viking historians and archaeologists, like with questions, even in post-production. And in fact, this is a little like we finished the film not very long ago. Honestly, it was like not very long ago that I finished the movie. But I finally got home from London, exhausted, done. And then uh, a few weeks later, one of Neil Price, the Viking archaeologist who's consulting on the film, emails me saying the last title card has a rune typo. <laughs> Oh and God. so we had to like stop the presses and redo it because the, the last title card that's subtitled the Northman actually says Amlo the saga, which means the Sama, the saga of Amleth. But we wrote the ska of Amleth. <laughs> uh, so I love that. Um, where does this come from for you? Where does this, um, this desire to delve into the research, into these other worlds, which are our own world, where, where do you think that comes from? I, I really don't know. Like everyone asks me this and I don't know. Uh, I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, my father was a Shakespeare professor. My grandfather was very interested in the past and collected antiques. And I, there, you know, I was definitely in an environment that was easy to cultivate an interest in, in the past. Um, so I'm sure that helped, <laughs> but I, but, but I don't, I don't entirely know. Uh, but, but I think, but, you know, and, and there's different, um, and I and I happened to connect with mentors who also uh, were interested in, in in the past. You know, this Latvian American painter Hyman Bloom um, was someone who my friends, my my parents befriended, and he gave me at ten years old uh, some uh, when I was into comic books. He gave me some books of Durer and Martin Schongauer and some other Northern Renaissance. Uh, engravings and woodcuts and and that changed my life you know and i found those much more compelling than uh marvel and and, and dc characters um so yeah i don't know <laughs> is there is there something well look let's let's push on it a little bit um and sure. at, you know at the at, at the risk of uh ruining all subsequent films is there something that you know, you're looking for in those stories, some question that you're exploring or looking to even to find a question um, in those stories that you I mean, find yourself working out in your own work. I think that, you know, the where 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 it all, where it all comes together probably is is that, you know, is is in all my films thus far and in everyone that I've written that hasn't gotten made to, 
you know, the, the, the real world and the mythical religious world are one and the same for the, the, the inhabitants of that world. And I'm, I'm sure growing up in a secular society without like the sacred and the sublime around, uh, like I'm, I'm drawn to, uh, mythology and religion and folklore and fairy tales and the occult that, you know, is like that, that can contain all that stuff, you know? And, and so, and then my films are an expression of, 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 a, of a longing for that. If, if I can be so precious, I don't know if I would really, I don't, I don't know if I regret saying that out loud, but, but maybe it's true. <laughs> but it make it totally makes sense. And I think like, even as you talk about, like you said about the green Knight, like that's a weird movie that comes from a weird story. Right. But I think when we look at the Northmen and while it does have a very straightforward story and, and that was by design, you know, your movie's weird, right? Like there's weird shit in there. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> doesn't it make sense though? I mean, like, don't like, obviously I don't believe in human sacrifice, but like you can understand why in the funeral that they needed to sacrifice that enslaved woman because like Thora was going into the afterlife without a, a wife. Yeah. You know, it just makes sense. You know, like it doesn't oh, like it absolutely. doesn't it's, it's 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 repugnant to our moral code today, but it does make sense, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I think and and like I said, like I think you're so good at plunging us into these worlds and letting us understand the way that the inhabitants of the world see their world around them, that we don't question these things. Like it does make sense. It makes perfect sense. Are there, are there things, I mean, let's, let's talk about the Northmen some more, but are there things that in the creating of the story for it in writing the script, are there things that got away that felt like, I wish this could have, I wish this aspect could have been in the film um, either for character reasons or because it was just something you liked and maybe it didn't fit because of the historical context or it just didn't fit because of the story you were telling. Well, there, I, so one thing that we kind of like went, something that happened that was really interesting and we just had gone too far and we couldn't go back. And then we also had, weren't really doing anything wrong either was we had a um, Shion and I had a meeting with Joanna Katrin Friedrich's daughter, who's one of the like uh, Viking historians who consulted on the film. And she felt that there was uh, a large absence of Freya, uh, who is like the, a goddess who is the sister of Freyr, who's the god that Clace's uh, character Fjolnir uh, worships. Um, and I said that with my understanding, Joanna, from reading some other books, that, uh, you know, Freya was a big deal uh, pre the Viking Age, but as like uh, the, 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 these kind of petty kingdoms grew and and were and 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 they were th these norse jarls and kings were uh like inspired by christian europe like mainland european kings that they, they they you know odin the war god became the more prominent god 
And she said, that's nonsense. You know, she's like, you know, the, the sagas and the Eddas were written by Christian Vikings who were trying to like, you know, eradicate the, the goddess figures and that, uh, and then in the 19th century and 20th century, like the male historians weren't very interested in uh, the goddesses. And so they weren't like, you know, reading the texts carefully, but, you know, half the slain go to Valhall and half the slain go to Freya's hall. And, uh, and I think, and she was like, I think Freya among other things was a important war God, goddess, uh, during the Viking age. Uh, so Freya didn't like Freya. And, and by the way, Freya did, we make her way more into the script, but in the end, uh, because, the movie's finally about Alex, like some more Freya centric scenes that weren't, that were like that were with Nicole and stuff ended up mm -hmm. on the cutting room floor. So mm -hmm. that's one aspect where um, it, we didn't, it didn't make it into the film the way I might've liked. That's really interesting. And, and I wonder, like, I, I, I think it's sort of a bigger question that I've been thinking about both in my own writing and as I talk to other writers and that's, how do you know what goes in your story? Um, and I like, can we apply this to all of your films? Um, Cause at least that's, you know, the reference that, that we know when you look at something like the lighthouse, there's a lot of story in that very small story, that very sort of claustrophobic story and the witch too. There's, it, it suggests so much world, but the story itself in both of these instances in all of these instances is pretty contained and pretty straightforward. Um, and I'm just curious about like getting your arms around a story. And when you set out, like, I think it sounds like the Northmen is sort of anomalous in that you were looking at this mythology and thought, I'd like to make something different. I'd like to make something for a broader audience. Did the lighthouse, did the witch come from different places in you? Was there an urge to tell a certain story, to ask a certain question? And then did the plot beat sort of fall out from that? I made, I made, I, like, I made a couple of short films that weren't bad at some point in my life. And some people were interested in potentially making a feature with me. And I wrote a lot of feature screenplays that were too strange and genreless. Uh, and no one knew mm. what to make of them. So The Witch was my attempt at making a genre movie that like where I was not betraying myself. Uh, and it's funny, you know, The Witch ends up being like this boring Puritan horror movie, but it was <laughs> me trying to, it was me trying to do something like more normal than I had written previously. Right. Well, let, and I, can I talk, can we ask about that, that for a sec? Okay. What what were those weird plotless or, or uh, strangely plotted scripts or stories that you had come up with? I had some sort of uh, Hoffman-esque uh, toy maker thing and, uh, and then something this very dreamlike, dark, story based on an Ivan Turgenev uh, short story called The Dream. Um, okay. Yeah. And they didn't feel like features. <laughs> right. 
they didn't feel like features yeah. to the people who uh, wanted to pay you to make features. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the, and then, um, you know, but then, and then, and then, I then think, the witch, let me just you know, go on record. Uh, like, it was something I that I wrote short by calling I just wrote it. the witch, a boring Puritan horror story. Well, it is, but that's <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. Apparently, Some people like it. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, that, that was uh, something that I just wrote and I didn't okay. really map it out. I just wrote it and revised it to like, m- you know, unclunkify it, you know, uh, <clears throat> whereas the, the lighthouse was, I was trying to, after the witch, I was tr- trying to make some big studio movies that were things that I I, they were self-generated, but I just didn't have the clout and control at the time. So the lighthouse was a deliberately strange, a deliberately obscure movie that I was writing with my brother as like a getaway car for when the big things fell apart, which they did. Um, you know, and that was interesting because we kind of, you know, had to know what the narrative was and then like destroy it to make it like, deliberately confusing and, and maddening. Uh, the the Northman, though, was like very carefully plotted, um, you know, it, with, it, with, with Shion um, in, in lots of uh, short form and, and long form treatments uh, before it like, you know, became a screenplay. But I, but w- w- you know, when you, when you have a writing partner, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to like, planet <laughs> yeah I, I mean i mean maybe there's a way to do it but but, but certainly that's been my experience do you feel like you. you do you feel like you saw your vision is what came out the other end what you went in expecting to see Ralph Einstein just texted me this morning saying, can you stop talking shit about the witch? Like, you know, it's a good movie. Like it's my best movie. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you know, and, um, but the thing is, and, and the performances are great. And Ralph is fucking incredible in the movie, you know, they all, everyone's incredible in the movie, but the, but I just wasn't, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. bad movie. You know, like it's not a bad movie, but it is not what I had in my imagination. I just wasn't a skilled enough filmmaker to like get what was in my imagination onto the screen. So the witch frustrates me. Okay. Yeah. The lighthouse uh, was a very small step up in scale, very small. So, uh, so I was able to take what I learned from the lighthouse and learn developing a bunch of big studio movies that didn't happen and really get what was in my imagination onto the screen. The Northman's a mixed bag because like I've grown a lot and blah, blah, blah. But, but also like it was such a massive jump in scale compared to the other two films that there was no way I was always going to be able to like achieve what I set out to, you know, um, that said, because the post production process was so arduous, I feel like, I, I stand by my choices, whether they worked or not, because I had to like, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, uh, 
you know, like, com- like, d- you know, defend them or not, <laughs> you know, every single yeah. one. Um, totally. In, and isn't that, I mean, look, I've talked to a lot of writers over the years. I've talked to a lot of directors over the years and and having done it myself for 15 years, like, isn't that the process? Like, it's all part of a process. Like your, your third film is going to hopefully gr- build on the things you learned in the first two. Are you able yeah, to look at it Yeah, but also like, yeah, of course. And it's, and you should, and, and also like, thank God I'm not satisfied. Like... <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like how horrible would that be? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. Who um what's the stuff that you love? Like who were the creators, the writers, directors that you came up that sort of inspired you or made you think like I want to do that. I see that someone does that well. Well, as a kid, you know, as a good old-fashioned American kid, like, you know, it's Spielberg and George Lucas, you, you know, uh, obviously. And it was like the making of Return of the Jedi that made me realize, <laughs> oh, shit, like, like, this is what I want. This this could be this could be good. This could be a good career choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, yeah. But then, like, as I slowly became more of a snobby dilettante, uh, and I turned my back on American cinema aside from, you know, a, a, a few, you know, Lynch, uh, you know, uh, Hugh, John Huston, Cassavetes, Robert Altman, you know, there's, you know, there's a handful of American filmmakers I, I really love, but, but generally it tends to be the canonical, uh, European, uh, art house cinema of the 20th century and, uh, and Japanese cinema, uh, mm-hmm. that are, you know, and, and particularly, particularly, uh, I mean, I, you know, aside from Bergman, you know, a, a lot of Soviet films are th- things that I find particularly inspiring. Oh, interesting. Like what? Well, I mean, you know, Mr. T, AKA like Tarkovsky, who's obviously after a completely different thing than I am, but, uh, but of course his technique and craft and his uh, ability to articulate an atmosphere and memory uh, and make that your own is something that like, I try to like learn from, even though, um, you know, he's at a different level and doing a different thing. Um, you know, Parajanov's like complete joy of like different cultures, folk cultures and like, and, and, and his like the, you know, fetishizing of the details and, and, you know, because of, because it just fucking, he just loves it, you know, like it's something that <laughs> I can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I could, you know, I'm sure I can go on (laughs) if you want me to. (laughs) No, I I think it's really, it's interesting hearing about these references um, in relation to your films and also like seeing that you grew up in New England, uh, which I did too. I feel like there's a certain kind of perspective and especially a perspective towards 
you know, let's let's say horror, which is a very encapsulating uh, genre title, uh, which I think we can sort of file all of your films under broadly. Um, but like, what is your awareness? Where did you grow? Like, uh, I grew up in, in Boston. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, you write something that takes place on Cape Cod and try to explain to people like, no, this is what they're really like. They, they hate you, but they also <laughs> want you around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, like seeing that sort of New England sensibility filtered through all of these very European film references really helps me to understand in many ways where your films are coming from. But I can't imagine that's part of the active process for you. <laughs> Like how aware of you? What do you mean? How how aware are you of your your you know particular interests, your particular perspective when you're writing story, or are you just like this is a story I want to tell? How much do you say this is a Robert Eggers yeah, film? I, think, I know it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I say that shit because now I have a brand. So I, so I say that when I'm like trying to sell the movie or like as a shorthand for stuff in industry and press and whatever. But like if I start, you know, making a Robert Eggers movie, then I'm like, that's not, that's going to be that problem. You know? <laughs> I, I think like, you know. You know, Bergman was like said that he like that, he, that Autumn Sonata he hit was the first time he made a, a Bergman movie, and he you know regretted it. <laughs> you know, it makes sense, right? You have to remove yourself a little bit and just sort of throw yourself into the story and the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is what's the fun part for you? What what part of this process do you really love and and just can't wait to get into on the next project? I mean, obviously, like I had, like I love researching, like, and it's it is just does bring me like complete joy. I love writing. Writing's great. It's super fun. It's super challenging, but also, uh, you know, having a great writing partner makes it like more fun. Um, it, cause you're also, cause then you're like, it, you know, there's like, I don't feel with Shion or with my brother that it was, it's like competition, but you just like enjoy kind of like doing a layup, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just passing it back and forth, back and yeah. forth to make it better. It's, that's fun. And, uh, and, and also when you're writing, like it's, it's not done. So it's always like, maybe it'll be a masterpiece this time, <laughs> which is always nice. But I think, I think because of, because of my theater background, um, I, uh, maybe production's my favorite part because of the magic of like getting it with the actors, uh, having, having grown up in theater and also because of the films that I make, I'm in the like super lucky position of like all of my movies. I've been able to like make the world from the ground up. So I'm in my own little like personal <laughs> Disneyland or misery land, uh, you know, uh, you know, in a fucking Viking temple. How cool is that? You know? Um, and, and I didn't used to like post, but I do now. And, you know, and, 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 and over the 
the year is like, you know, I mean, Louise Ford, I've spent so much time with, with Lou. I mean, she's, we're like siblings at this point, you know, and, and that collaboration is, brings me a lot of joy. I will. That's, that's good to hear. Um, and it sounds like almost all of the process is pleasurable for you, which is, you know, again, I, like, I think it shows in films. just dealing it's just dealing with um money and politics that sucks obviously right. impress isn't fun but it's you know a very 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 important thing and a very 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 small price to pay for like <laughs> realizing my dream hello sure. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I will let you go in a minute, but I want to ask you two quick things and then uh, we'll get out of here. Um, what do you wish you'd known? You know, these first couple features, what do you, I know, but as someone who is dipping a toe in the water of actually directing things that I've written and things that other people have written, what don't I know that maybe I should? You And you can assume I know a lot. The thing is, um, you don't know what you don't know, and that's you, and you just have to know that. <laughs> I, I mean, like, like I just I learned so much making The Northman that it's like absolutely absurd, and it's the first time that I actually feel like I know how to make a movie finally because it was just you know like I'm incredibly grateful um, and humbled to have made this movie. But I like, and, and it's just shocking that I was allowed to make this movie. But I also got a PhD in filmmaking making this movie because it was just so intense and, and, and extreme. But I mean, there, but I think that like it sucks too because there's some things that you can know intellectually, but you until you're actually doing it, like you don't get it. You know, <laughs> you don't get it. And that sucks. And I hate that that's the truth, but it is the truth. You know, (laughs) it it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, Do we know what's next? Have you talked about what's next for you? Do you have things uh, in your brain that are going to make your way onto the screen? Yeah. Depending on how like overtired and insane I am, I like let things leak or not and then regret it. Uh, But I try to be slightly like evasive. (laughs) But I always, again, I always have to have a lot of things on the stove. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Uh, well, whatever it is, uh, I'm excited to see it. And thanks for chatting today. We'll end as we always do by asking you what you are watching lately. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you reading that's getting you excited? Uh, anything you want to recommend to folks? Um, you know, reading Dostoevsky's Demons, he's pretty good at writing. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, let's see. Watching Antiques Roadshow to help me fall asleep early. Great. Um, <laughs> uh, watching Colbert in, in the night, the last night's Colbert in the morning on <laughs> YouTube so that I start the day out laughing at the horrors in the world instead of just wanting to die. Uh, and, uh, you know, just trying to find like whatever obscure movies I can possibly find at all times and, and, and fit them in. Um, have there been uh, any great you know, obscure I mean, there was, movies this lately? Is, well, this is an obscure movie that's now easy to get with this, 
incredible folk horror anthology that's just been released, but mm-hmm. I watched the Swedish movie like the Lake of death. That was pretty cool recently. Um, right. yeah, that sounds great. Um, Robert, thank you so much for chatting. Uh, congrats on the Northman. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.